Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. What a prayer, what a desire. Christ be magnified in me. Not simply magnified, but in me. Not a small or insignificant projection, but a dramatic reflection of his love and mercy in my life. I don't know about you, but I'm all in. Let's give uh, Darlene and the rest of the team a round of applause for that great, beautiful song. All right, once again, good morning and welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so great to have you here. If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks now, you know that we're right in the middle of a financial series. The series is entitled Money Talks, and this is the third installment. Two weeks ago in lesson number one of the series, we addressed the importance of having the right attitude when it comes to money. And during that very first talk, I told you that there are many, many Christian people, good Christian people, solid, wonderful Christian people, that are willing to trust God with just about everything except for their finances. It's almost like, have at it, preacher. Go ahead and talk about any subject from the Word of God, any topic that the Lord would place on your heart, but do me a favor. When it comes to money, tread softly and carefully. In other words, don't say much. And people are like that. They just have uh, this cringing that goes on the inside when we start talking about money. And then uh, last week, in lesson number two of this series, we talked about debt. And I think by the end of the message, you could all conclude that I'm not that fond of debt. In fact, I'm not that crazy about debt at all. And the reason is because according to the experts, the number one cause for money problems and financial hardship is debt. And so last Sunday, I planted a seed. And I said, what if this year in 2020, once and for all, we were to make the decision to put our financial house in order and at least try to eliminate some of our debt? What if we did that? What if we went after our debt? And then I gave you the secret formula for doing that. I told you last Sunday, if you want to get out of debt, you have to stop using debt. It's the only way to get out of debt. Not add any more debt to your existing debt ratios. It's almost like the same with any diet or weight loss plan. How many of you learned if you really want to lose some weight, you got to stop adding weight? And so, how about we do that? All right, today in lesson number three of the series, what I'd like to do is talk for a little bit of, uh, for a little while, about generosity. Generosity is the quality of being generous. And generous means benevolent, unselfish, open-handed, and big-hearted. Those are the four adjectives that I want to use when talking about generosity. One more time. Benevolence, unselfish, open-handed, and big-hearted. And where do you think the attribute of generosity comes from? 
Yeah, don't be afraid. You know, shout it out if you know the answer. Um, like everything else that we have that's good, it comes from God. And over the generations, God has continually showcased his big heart of compassion for his people, including in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11 says this. Now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Here Paul says, because of God's willingness to supply all of our needs, and he does that according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, because God is willing to do that, he makes us have the ability to be generous, benevolent, unselfish, open-handed, and big-hearted all the time. Not just once in a while. Not just here and there. Not when tragedy or hardship melts our hearts. Not just once a year when the South African Key of Hope Choir comes to minister to us. All of the time, God gives us the ability. It's God who allows us to own this attribute called generosity. And generosity is birthed out of a divine revelation. That's the only way to receive it. It's the only way to obtain it. It's a divine revelation that goes contrary, 100% contrary to our own human nature. And that revelation is found in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Who said it? Did Moses say it? Did Abraham say it? Who said it? Jesus said, it's more of a blessing to give than to receive. And that's the revelation I'm talking about. There's a greater blessing that comes to us when we give than when we receive. And make no mistake, it is a wonderful blessing, a wonderful feeling to be on the receiving end of someone else's generosity. I mean, who doesn't appreciate quality gifts? Not too long ago, a brother who attends church here, a big-hearted, open-handed, benevolent, unselfish brother, he installed a brand-new high-efficiency furnace in my house. And not only did he donate the furnace and the installation, but he allowed me to keep the $550 rebates from the utility company. How many know that's a huge blessing? It's not a little blessing. It's a big blessing. Years and years ago, when I went into full-time ministry for the very first time as a youth pastor, I left my uh, police officer job and went into the ministry. And during that time, uh, 35, 36 years ago, I was required to wear a suit and a tie for Sunday morning church. Problem is, I only had one suit. And because I had left the, uh, my previous job and had taken a tremendous cut in pay, please believe me when I tell you, I couldn't afford to buy another suit. So what I did is I wore the same suit every Sunday. 
every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, but I changed it up with a different shirt and tie, hoping nobody noticed. Well, one family noticed. And instead of complaining about it, instead of making fun of me, you know what they did? They took me shopping, and they bought me a bunch of suits. And there's only one way to describe that activity. Blessing. More than just a small blessing, it was a tremendous blessing. Several years ago, like seven or eight years ago, I was having a rough time physically. I was in and out of hospitals every couple of weeks with AFib, having to get cardioverter to have my heart shocked back into sinus rhythm. Shortly after that, we lost a grandson. And then there were a couple of other ministerial issues that I was dealing with. Special friends of ours sent us a nice note of encouragement, included in the card a beautiful prayer, some thoughtful words, and a check for $1,000 to help out with some expenses. How many of you know that was a blessing, a total unexpected blessing? It lifted me, not only the check, but the words. I think we would all agree. It's amazing on every level to receive unexpected and outrageous acts of kindness at the hands of someone else. And we could easily become fans of blessing. But in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, Jesus said, who said it? Jesus said, giving, giving constitutes a greater blessing than receiving. In other words, giving will do more for your soul. It will feed you in a greater way than anything you could possibly get at the hands of somebody else. And once this generosity has permeated your soul and your heart, once you've allowed this attribute to take ownership of your life, it's amazing the amount of compassion you will have. In fact, the compassion meter will go right off the charts. And some people, people who develop a heart of compassion and generosity, there is no greater, for these people, there's no greater spiritual, physical, or emotional reward than to know that you were able to help somebody else through your giving, that you were able to bless somebody, that you were able to meet somebody's need. And these same kinds of people, they willingly sacrifice their own desires, their own wants, in order to reach out to other people. Do you know anybody like that? I do. In fact, I had another conversation with a brother who attends this church just a, a short time ago, and he was telling me that he was shopping for a, a pair of boots. He had a special pair of boots that, in mind that he wanted to buy as, as we approached the wintertime. And he finally found the boots at DSW. They had them there in his size. And he went there to pick them up and found out they weren't on sale. He wanted to pay $70, $75 for the boots. That's the price he had in his mind. But they were closer to $100. So he asked the gal there at the checkout desk to make a special uh, arrangement for him and put those boots on sale. <laughs> she didn't do it. So he walked. He did not buy the boots. And later on the same day, he's telling me he's had a, something to eat. The gal that was waiting on him was having a tough day. She was behind in her bills, didn't make as much money that week as she thought she was going to make. And so this brother gave her a $50 tip on a $10 meal. What is that like? 
hundreds, uh, 500. That's a 500% tip. That's right. He walked away from his boots for 20 bucks, turned around and gave away $50. You may think that's crazy, that the guy's out of touch with reality, but for him, that $50, because he gave it at God's prompting, it was an eternal investment. It, it was something that he knew was going to benefit another person. The Lord put it on his heart to do that. You see, shoes and boots and possessions, they don't last very long. But the investments that we make in the kingdom of God, especially when God puts it on our heart to give, that investment will last a lifetime. And again, do you know who said that? Yeah, Jesus said it. Not exactly that way, but in so many words. During the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, a passage that you know very well, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves. Make investments with treasure in heaven, where moths and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, how many do believe in heaven? Amen. How many believe that heaven's a real place? Every hand should go up because it is. The Bible teaches us that heaven is for real. The Bible also tells us that God has put eternity in our hearts. He's the one who makes us fully aware of that wonderful promise called heaven. And here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus basically said, every dollar you invest in the kingdom of God, every gift that you give when God prompts you to give, one day down the line, it is going to pay huge eternal dividends. And so over the years, I've made a remarkable discovery. And this is the benefit of years and years of pastoring and years and years of preaching on the topic and the subject of money. I've made this discovery, and I believe that it's the Holy Spirit of God who has disclosed this to me. And what I have discovered over the years is that generosity, what we've been talking about so far this morning, is a byproduct of the tithe. Generosity is a byproduct of tithing. When we are faithful and obedient to the tithe, to bring to God the 10% that he says belongs to him, that one discipline, just that one, will greatly enhance the attribute of generosity in our lives. Again, I want to read the passage found in 2 Corinthians 9, the one uh, we read just a few seconds ago, uh, verses 10 and 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your store of seed and will increase your harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. In other words, God is the one who sets us up and he puts us in position to give. Do you, do you see that in that verse? Do, do you understand that's what that verse is saying? That God is the one who provides us with what we need in order to be generous. He's, what, he's the God and the source that allows us to give and allows us to be compassionate to others. 
God infuses us with this divine attribute that comes from him, himself, it comes from his heart, this attribute of generosity, and he gives us the confidence to know that he will provide for us. We don't have to be afraid. Knowing God will make good on his word. And so you're not a tither because you just happen to be generous. You're generous because you learned the value of tithing. I'm going to say that again because that was worth your price of admission. Whatever you gave. <laughs> tithing, you're not a tither because you just happen to be generous. You are generous because you learned the value of tithing. And I firmly believe the secret to generosity is the tithe. That tithing and understanding uh, what God was attempting to communicate to us through this incredible gift and promise, it promotes a heart of generosity and cheerfulness and gratefulness and thanksgiving to God. The tithe does all that. And so this morning, for just a few moments, let's talk about the tithe. Finally. <laughs> Three weeks into the series. People have been asking, we're we going to talk about tithing. We'll talk about it right now. Some of you probably wish I wouldn't, but we're going to. Thank you. Appreciate that. And as Pastor Dan mentioned earlier, I'm really praying that this is going to mean something to you, more than just me talking to you about a few verses. I'm asking that the Spirit of God would give you a revelation you have never received before. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 through 32 says this. One-tenth, or a tithe, of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It must be set apart to him as holy. And then the entire tithe, or one-tenth of the herd and flock, will be holy to the Lord. All right, let's do that one more time so you, you get that. In Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30 through 32, God said to his people, one-tenth or a tithe of everything that the land produces, whether grain from the fields or the fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It must be set apart to him as holy. And then don't forget about your herds and your flocks. One-tenth or a tithe of all of your flocks is holy to the Lord. Do you get that? Did you see that? All right. In Bible days, most people were farmers and shepherds. They lived in a world of agriculture. And God said to his people something that they would fully understand. Before you even think about taking your crop to market and selling it or exchanging it, what I want you to do is take one-tenth of your entire crop, one-tenth of your harvest, and set it aside because it belongs to me. And then don't forget, before you take one goat or one sheep or one chicken out of your herds, one out of every ten animals belongs to me. A tenth or a tithe of everything that the earth produces is mine because it's holy. Now, whenever uh, New Testament believers, good Christian, God-loving uh, Christians you know, uh, read Leviticus chapter 27 or any other Old Testament passage like this, 
whenever they hear a preacher talking about the subject of tithing and making reference to some Old Testament passages, a lot of times they'll raise their hand and say, wait a minute, preacher. I thought we were under the new law. I thought we were under grace and the law that was given through Moses in the Old Testament is no longer for us, that we've been set free from the law. Isn't that right? And whenever I hear that, whenever I hear that kind of Old Testament, New Testament objection, what I like to try to do is send people back to the same passage that we just read a few moments ago, Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. Because here's what it says. The tithe is holy. Can I get you to say those four words? Slowly, slowly. The tithe is holy. One more time. The tithe is holy. Holy in the Hebrew means sanctified and set apart. Not to be included with the ordinary or with all of the rest. It's to be set aside. Holy literally means dedicated and consecrated to the Lord. And in Leviticus and many other places in the scripture, God repeatedly told his people, one-tenth of everything that you have, a tithe of all that you have, belongs to me because it's holy. Now, who can tell me what the word Bible means? Anybody? That's right, I heard it. The word Bible means book. Simply, the Bible is a book. And years and years ago, after I got saved, the very first thing I wanted to do was get myself a Bible. Everybody told me I needed a Bible, needed to start reading the Bible, so I had to go to the Bible bookstore you know, Amazon wasn't an operation then, so I had to actually physically walk inside of a store, and in this particular store that I went to, the shelves were lined with Bibles. And every Bible that I picked up, every Bible that I looked at, it had a word written across the front of it. Holy. Not just Bible. Holy Bible. Now, I mean, you know, there are thousands and thousands upon hundreds of thousands of books in the world today. A ton of books. Only one book has the word holy on it. Because it's God's book. It belongs to God. It's the book that God set apart for us as his book. The one that he wrote for us. And in Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30, God says, I want you to understand the tithe is holy. It's to be set apart. And the reason that it's holy, the reason it shouldn't be included with all of the rest is because it's mine. It belongs to me. Now, 100% of everything that we have is God's. We established that in lesson number one. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the fullness of all that we see is his. But 10%, is holy. He gives us instructions and guidelines for how we should spend our 90%. And he says, have at it. Be smart about it. Understand what money's all about and learn the principles of good money management. But that 10%, it's mine. It's holy. And so 10% of everything the earth produces 10% of everything that passes through our hands. 10% of everything that God has blessed us with. Whether law in Moses' day, pre-law 
in Abraham's day or post-law in Jesus' day, it belongs to God. Amen. And why does it belong to God? Because it's holy and God is a holy God. Amen. You know, we don't talk about this a lot. In fact, as I searched back through a lot of my tithing messages, I didn't really emphasize this point. But this is something that's essential. We have to understand it. God has set aside one-tenth of everything he's blessed us with as holy. And when someone can show me and prove to me from the word of God that New Testament God is no longer holy, I promise you I will scrap the tithing message, put it to the wayside, and never preach passionately about the subject again. But the fact of the matter is, he is holy. He is holy, he was holy, and he always will be holy. He is a holy God. And the angelic and heavenly beings in the book of Revelation confirmed that opinion. The Bible says that they have a message to tell. And they repeat it every day, day and night, nonstop. They're always saying, Revelation 4.8, holy, holy, holy. Not just one, three of them. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so I'm convinced 10% of everything that we have belongs to the Lord. 10% of the stock market, 10% of uh, the workplace market, 10% of the job market, 10% of every market, it all belongs to God. It's his, and he has set it apart as holy. And the scripture tells us that when we honor God with the tithe, when we can buy into that concept and into that truth, and when we're willing to make sure that God gets the portion that he has designated as his, there is a remarkable promise found in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Here's what it says. Bring the whole tithe, or one-tenth, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Whose house? God's house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. How many of you in here have ever said, enough, God. Stop it already. You've given me too much. You've poured out too much blessing. Would you leave it alone? Give it to somebody else. Now, you might have said that, give it to somebody else. But we rarely say, Lord, stop. And God rarely stops. He says, when we're faithful to the tithe, when we give, it shall be given back to us. And if you'll honor him by obeying this one truth and this one command, he will throw open the floodgates of heaven. And he will pour out so much blessing that we cannot contain it. And this is the reason why I'm, I feel so strongly that generosity is a byproduct of the tithe. Because once you learn to tithe, once you learn the value of tithing, and you, you're committed to it, you're faithful to it, that's when generosity will permeate your heart, and you start giving stuff away. And people say, are you crazy? And you're like, but I know God's going to provide for me. I know that he's going to give me what I need. And not only is he going to increase my harvest, but he's going to give me more seeds to sow. 
And that's the principle of sowing and reaping that is so important to us today. I mentioned to you the last couple of weeks, we start talking about money and people are thinking, you know, it's a, it's a guilt tactic. It's a, it's a guilt to you know, make sure that the church has more money. I want, my desire is for you to know the full blessing of God when it comes to your finances. And this is what the scripture says about that. All right, at this time, let's take a quick look at the 2019 financial report. This is something that we do uh, every year. We always give this report from the previous year. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it this year. We're going to kind of move through it rather quickly, but I do want to give you the numbers because that's important for, I think it's important for you to see the numbers. Last year in 2019, our tithe offerings totaled 2 million 108,330. This is the money that we receive on Sunday mornings through the offering and the online giving. And if you want to be a little bit more consistent with your tithe, giving God the proper amount, even when you're not in church on Sunday, let me suggest online giving, either through our website or our mobile app. Personally, I found the absolute best way to stay faithful to the tithe and committed to the tithe is through automatic tithe deductions. You just get it out of the way. All right, so again, last year we received a little over $2.1 million, and that was down $120,000 from the previous year. And I bring that up because that was the first time that we've ever had that happen. The first year that the current year brought in less money than the previous year. So in 2019, our income was less than the income in 2018. And I noticed this happening in 2018, in the fall of 2018, after we came out of the third quarter. And in 2018, two years ago, I brought it to your attention. And I said, we're a little light in our offerings. And you responded favorably. And in 2018, we ended up having a, one of the greatest years financially we've ever had. I saw the trend taking place again last year, but I didn't mention it to you. And the reason I didn't mention it to you is because we were bringing back the children's fundraiser event, which I wanted you to get involved in financially. And then I knew we would have the, the Key of Hope Choir coming up in December as well, and I, we were going to take a love offering for that. So I really didn't want to pound the money issue. And so I did not make you aware of the financial shortfall as we entered into the fourth quarter. But I promise you, if it happens again this year, I will let you know. So we were... $120,000 short last year from the previous year. Okay, in addition to the general tithe, $119,538 was received for missions. We're going to talk about missions in a minute. So uh, $2,108,330 in general tithe, $119,538 in missions, $26,161 was given to the food pantry, and then we raised $42,965 with the children's auction. That gives us a grand total income last year of $2,296,994, which is a huge number. So go ahead and give yourselves a round of applause. Big number. All right, back in 2015, after we refinanced our loan through Bank of the West, we were determined to pay as much money as we could on our principal. And so in addition to our monthly payments that we get, you know, every month, uh, we were making other sizable payments toward the principal. And last year in 2019, once again, we were able to make 
uh, a payment of $200,000 toward the principal, bringing our mortgage balance down to $2.6 million. That's what we owe on the building right now. It's almost a lot of money, but it's coming way down. $2.6 million. That's, that's great. We've asked you about going after your debt. We've been diligent to go after our own debt. And in the past four years, ever since we refinanced with Bank of the West, we've been able to pay $1.5 million towards the principal. And I attribute the tremendously improved financial situation to a very sharp and determined board of directors. So let's give them a round of applause too. All right, let's take a quick look at the missions page. Last year, even though we brought in less than that, like 119,000, we were able to give $130,960 to missions and outreach. $64,488 in home missions, $66,472 in foreign missions. And the majority of this money was raised through our Mission Sunday initiative, which we have held on the first Sunday in May for years and years. And because we believe so strongly in missions and outreach and the, the benefit of being able to sow into other places of the world, we're going to do it again this year. Uh, our Mission Sunday is going to be on the first Sunday in May, Sunday, May the 3rd. And once again, we're going to ask all Community Christian Church families, like we've been doing, to prayerfully consider making a donation or a pledge of $250 to our 2020 mission budget. All right, let's move on to that next slide. Here you can see the entire breakdown uh, for our mission and outreach. And as you're looking at that, I just want to make a couple of comments. We tell you this all the time, but in the event that you're new here or you fall asleep and we're saying it, uh, we have one of the largest food distribution centers in Macomb County. We're currently servicing right around 150 families every week. 150 families come to our pantry to get food. And then at the start of this year, our incredible team of volunteers took it upon themselves to do a massive update and remodel the pantry. Uh, they worked on the project nonstop for the last three weeks, and they knocked it out of the park. So let's give them, uh, our volunteers, a round of applause as well. It's a beautiful pantry that we have. Additionally, with missions, we're currently involved in the fight of our generation. And now I'm talking about human sex trafficking prevention. And we are fighting that battle in many different nations, including Cambodia, Romania, India, Uganda, Haiti, South Africa, and the United States of America. And I've learned any effort we make in any country, any nation, to feed, clothe, educate, provide fresh drinking water or health care helps to defeat slavery and human sex trafficking. And you may not think it, but please believe me when I tell you, this church alone is making a huge difference in the war on trafficking. We really are. The people that we support, they greatly appreciate our gifts of kindness that we give to them. All right, let's look at the ministerial expenses. We ask you to give a tithe of your income. 10%, and 10% of everything that you give to us is then given outside of the church. We call that a tithe on the tithe. We've been doing that for 28 years. This past year, $218,376 was spent as a part of our tithe on tithe account. 
This money helped people from our congregation. It also helped people that we, don't, we didn't know. People that were so desperate they had nowhere else to turn, they came knocking on our door. And our policy is not to turn away any legitimate need. We try to help if it's at all possible. You can see the other ministerial expenses we have on the next page, totaling $106,927. As, as I mentioned a few moments ago, we were able to bring the children's fundraiser back uh, last year. We're going to do that again this year. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, it, you know, it was just a great time. We, we raised nearly $43,000. And so I'm going to give you the date for this year. It's going to be Tuesday, November the 9th. If you'll uh, write that date down and, and keep that date in mind, uh, Tuesday, November the 9th, that'll be the date of our uh, children's fundraiser auction. All right, next page. In addition to the ministerial expenses, we also had operational costs. Last year, we spent $1,919,165 in operations. The mortgage expense for last year, principal and interest, was $398,335. I listed the other operational expenses there, expenses there as well, including the $914,000 payroll, along with $237,000 for building maintenance and repair. And that includes uh, our utility costs, and also some capital projects that we were involved in last year, uh, mainly the um, complete and total uh, remodel of the parking lot lights. Uh, anybody happen to notice that? I, I think the, the gals did for the Tuesday night Bible study. If they're the only ones, check it out if you get here after dark. It, it's really a, a great thing that we did. All right, let's look at that last slide. Once you balance out the income and the expenses, the end of the year cash is $554,062. And as you can see, last year, with the exception of our principal pay down, we didn't have to use any of our savings for additional operational costs. Uh, the Board of Directors comfort zone for an emergency fund for the church is $300,000. We've maintained that $300,000. We haven't slipped below it in the last 10 or 12 years. And this puts us in great position to once again be able to make a sizable payment uh, towards the principal. So as you can see, this is another tremendous financial report. Why don't you go ahead and give yourselves a hand. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your willingness to support the church. Uh, but I have to say this, even though this is a good report, we could do a little better. And the reason I say that is because currently we have somewhere between 23 and 25% of the church tithing. 23 to 25% of the church have acknowledged that the tithe is holy. Just think what we could do if we were to up that percentage a little bit to 30 or 35% or even higher. Now, 20% or 23%, um, that's better than average. And it's better than most churches, which are usually around 10 or 12%. But I think we could do a little better than that. And I'm just going to appeal to you to think about what we've been saying today. Go back to the scriptures, pray about it, and try to open your heart to what the Spirit of God says about 
the tithe. Okay, we're going to close out the service today with a song. I'm going to ask you to please hang in there with me. Don't, don't leave just yet. Wait till after the song because when the song's over, I have an important announcement I want to make. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, once again, we thank you for giving us your very best. From the beginning of creation till now, you have repeatedly shown your generosity towards your people. And we thank you for that, Lord. We are recipients of the wonderful blessings of God. And I pray, Lord God, that as we think about what your word has to say about money, as we process godly principles of finance, that we would at least open our hearts to the subject of tithing, understanding that this is the way, Lord God, that you meet the needs of the local church. This is the way that you continue to provide a gospel message for a lost and needy world. We thank you, Lord God, for the generosity here at Community Christian Church. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you continue to do. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to be good biblical stewards of all that you've given to us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, it was Paul the Apostle who said, there can be no other foundation laid than the one that was already laid, Christ Jesus. How many of you found that to be a sure foundation? A solid foundation. And to help you to continue to build on that solid foundation, Community Christian Church would like to sow some seed into your generosity tank. And so what we're going to do here this morning as you leave the sanctuary is we're going to give everyone $10. I don't know any other church who does this. This is the second time we've done it in the last five years. What we want you to do, the $10 is not for you. It's for somebody else. And we want you to uh, get into the habit and experience what it means to be generous. You're giving away $10. And, you know, maybe God will impress upon you to add some money to that. Pray about who you might give that $10 to. Not only do we teach generosity here, we want to show generosity. And, you know, last time we did this, we, the testimonies and the far-reaching group of people that our investment went, made in the lives of others uh, was amazing. And so let's do that again. Let's learn how to practice generosity. It's an attribute that comes from God. So make sure that you get your $10 on the way out. Thank you so much again for your willingness to support Community Christian Church. One more lesson, one more money talk next week. Thank you so much for uh, your faithfulness. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.